Here's a question. How does an ordinary person land their dream job in the sports industry immediately after graduating? Welcome to the Sports Grad Podcast, your bite-sized guide to enter the sports industry. I'm Ruben Williams. And I'm Ryan Walker. In 2017, we said goodbye to exams and hello to full-time work. This is a behind-the-scenes reveal of exactly how the best sports industry professionals in the world created careers that most only dream of. We believe every dream job in sport is worth chasing, and that's why we want to give you the tools to make it a reality. For a proven process to getting jobs in sport, download our free ebook. How to Get Jobs in Sport, The Sports Grad Method. You can get this for free at www.sportsgrad.com.au. Hello and welcome to the Sports Grad Podcast. My name is Ryan Walker and with me as always is the lonesome Ruben Williams. How are you today, mate? I'm terrific, mate. Two weeks in a row on my own. Good to be back chatting with you. Been a week since you had your, your off-site with Cricket Australia. How, how have things been going since then? What, what have you learned? What have you applied since those couple of days off to, to reflect with the team? You're right. Second week in a row, you're on your own, but an equally big episode. But since last week, so one thing, one thing that we did do was um, we chat around habits and what, what are like your key habits or good or bad, whatever they might be. One of my habits that I shared was that I always set my alarm at, a, at around 7 but I don't end up getting out of bed until that 7.30. I just keep smashing the snooze. So, one of the habits that I said that I would implement to in order to, to make the most of my mornings was to get up at 6.30. And there's also a concept in that that says you can't fail twice. So, if you, if you fail once, it's okay, but you make sure you rectify the next day. And I can say that I failed once, but I haven't failed since. So, I'm on the road. <laughs> I'm on the road to, to learning this new habit. Uh, I want to become a better morning person. So, that that is where I'm at. But I'm going really well. Of course, missing that extra 30 minutes of sleep that I'd usually get, but I'm actually feeling better now that I'm about. So, yeah, feeling good. Excellent. Well, I, I look forward to, to keeping you accountable as you look to cement this habit for yourself. Yeah, well, if there is one man who will keep me accountable to this one, it is yourself. And I know you've done a lot of work in this area of getting up earlier. So, I'm looking forward to some texts at, you know, 6.45 in the morning and just to say, hey, and if I don't respond, then, you know, there's a problem. But I feel confident. Yeah, because we, we, we really need another excuse to talk more often, don't we? <laughs> I know. We don't communicate enough. So, yeah, send those through. Anyway, part two of Jay Lee. Massive uh, vice president of uh, product experience at the NBA. We had part one last week, absolutely awesome. And then part two today, might have mentioned it at the back end of last episode, but we're looking at, you know, how you can apply product management in your everyday life. Some of Jay's best book recommendations to, to cement that path into product management. And then finally, how you can get on the pathway to, to landing a role in product management at the NBA. So it's absolutely massive. I'll throw to you to get your thoughts before we jump into it. Uh, but from my my opinion, this is maybe better than the first part, which is scary because part <laughs> one was very good. But, yeah, I will throw to you before we go. The the sequels aren't always typically <laughs> as good as the originals, but in, in this case, I think I think the sequel is uh, just as good, if not better. I think it, today's highly actionable, so I think that's a really uh, good thing to look forward to. Awesome, mate. There's a famous commentator who said the sequel is just as good as the original. I think it relates to the West Coast versus Sydney 
2006 grand final. Anyway, we can talk about that another time. But here is part two of Ruben's sit down with Jay Lee, uh, fresh from the NBA. Jay, the, the product management space sounds like one where you're constantly thinking critically and, and trying to make improvements. And that's a pretty consistent thing that people want to do in their own lives. What are some of the ways that people could apply some of the methods in product management to their life to improve whatever endeavor they're doing, whether it be study or work or something else? Mm, that's interesting. Actually, the lean product process that I was talking about earlier, uh, I think is something that you can apply to really every aspect of your life, right? Because what that process is designed to do is to try and achieve product market fit or to, to try and see if you have the seeds of product market fit as early as possible, right? Before you invest a lot of time and energy and resource. Uh, so you want to form a hypothesis and again, disprove or prove that as soon as possible. You can apply that thinking to anything that you're doing, right? And ask yourself, how can I prototype whatever solution I'm thinking about before I invest a lot of time, energy, and money to do it. So if you're thinking about changing your major, uh, take a course first, right? Uh, if you think you want to become a data scientist because that's the hot thing right now, then go do a, a six-week Coursera course on data science and see if you walk out the other end of that feeling inspired, uh, more inspired than you did going in, then that's a good signal that you're on the right path, right? Um, or if you're thinking about changing your career, it's not like you can just get an internship anywhere at any time, but you know, use the power of LinkedIn to reach out to different colleagues, talk to people and, and network and just see if you can and, and ask questions of somebody that you think that is in the job that you think you want, right? And ask them what they do every day and then ask yourself whether or not those are the things that you want to be doing every day. And I don't think you're always going to get the answer that you expect. So um, I think prototyping and, and trying to fail fast uh, or learn fast is is something that you can apply to every aspect of your life. I mean, we just did it at our at our home here. Um, where you know, my wife and I are thinking about a major renovation in our house, where we're going to completely flip the, the location of different rooms uh, in our home. And you know, we could invest in a lot of architectural drawings and hire contractors and rent an apartment and go move out for six months while this work gets done and then come back and hope that it's everything that we expected it to be. <laughs> right. Uh, but we, we, before we go down that path, we just decided let's, let's just take like a couple hours on a Saturday, right. And just prototype it. Let's just move some furniture around and switch the rooms as best as we can. And then just sit in it for a second, even though there's some constraints, it's not exactly perfect, but give ourselves a chance to feel like, does this actually feel right before again, we go spend all this time, energy and money. So uh, I think we're probably doing that with our lives, prototyping things like that all the time. It's such a, a simple, but interesting concept that I think a lot of people perhaps overlooked uh, or overlook, you know, I for one, I started a degree in marketing and got halfway through that and decided, oh, I just want to follow my passion for sport. I'll jump into sport management and exercise science and that time, I thought I was going to go down the exercise science route. But then, as it turned out, it, it wasn't for me and sport management was was more my thing. But I didn't actually take the time to to test that properly. I just really enjoyed running and, in, and improving my performance. I probably didn't understand what else was to that. So, I think um, that's a really important thing that can perhaps save a lot of people time and money if they a- apply that lean approach to um, testing different endeavors. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and what we have to remember about ourselves is that we're always changing, right? And so we, we create these arcs of our career at any given point in time and we think well ahead into the future and we just think it's going to be that same person that's moving linearly through that path. But the reality is we're always changing. We're shedding new ideas and, and onboarding new ones uh, or shedding old ideas and onboarding new ones at the same time. And so you have to give yourself some some freedom, some latitude to make changes uh, and and to be wrong about what you thought before, right? Totally. W- one of the things I, I tested more recently that, that has worked out was discovering the environment that I need to work productively. And so last year during the pandemic, I moved out of my share house and, and rented a house down by the beach and just locked myself in for two months and started building sports grad. And I found that that kind of clear time and space myself was what I needed to work more productively and got a lot of things done during that. Sports grad kind of came to life and became a good thing, then moved back to Melbourne and found it was probably a bit harder to get the same sort of momentum that I got in that environment. And so, I thought I have to I have to get back to that. Like that's where I feel like I'm at my best. And so, uh, now I'm two weeks into moving back down to the beach and I'm, I'm down here for, for a bit longer this time and who knows what after that. But I think that two-month period of actually testing, is this for me, allowed me to discover what my best working environment is. Yeah, good for you, Ruben. You decide, you determined and figured out that being by the beach is good for your creativity. I, I love that. <laughs> exactly. Who would have thought? <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're absolutely right. I mean, I think the fact that you you didn't overcommit, right? And 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 also you just allowed yourself to be open to being wrong about your decision to maybe move back, right? And quickly pivot from there. I think that's really important. Mm. Well, the other part of it was. I don't know if I want to work for 40 years to then retire to move down to the beach. Like, am I going to work my entire life to then do something that everyone says is good? Like, maybe I should try out retirement before I get there first. So, that was another angle. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. I think Tim Ferriss, the the famous author, talks about that, right? He talks about having your retirement now, right, and trying it on now uh, as opposed to like, again, thinking about that linear path in your career and spending all this time getting to it and being like, well, actually, I don't want to play golf every day. It's funny you mentioned Tim Ferriss because I read the four-hour work week right before I moved down to the beach. <laughs> nice. There you go. <laughs> Jay, people might be surprised to find that you are a commerce graduate who majored in finance and marketing. What did you think you'd be doing at this stage of your career back then? When I was majoring in finance and marketing in business school at the University of Virginia, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I actually thought I'd be working in music, to be honest. <laughs> Just, I guess it's another example of sort of prototyping different career choices and, and figuring it out whether or not they fit. So um, I wanted to, that's my other passion other than sports, or one of my other passions is music. And so I, I thought I wanted to work for a major recording label. So I took an, an unpaid uh, externship, we called it. That was an internship. It was just a one-week uh, externship during spring break in 1997. And I, and I spent a week in New York uh, and got an externship at Arista Records, which at the time was the home of Bad Boy. Uh, and Bad Boy Records, of course, was um, at the time, his name was Puff Daddy. Uh, and this was the late 90s. So uh, they were they were surging as a record label. And my first day on the job, that that one week externship was March 10th, Monday, March 10th, 1997. So Notorious B.I.G., Biggie Smalls, was shot and killed on March 9th, 1997. So 
I walk into Arista Records and it's a firestorm, right? My And my first job is to take one of the hundreds of phones that are ringing and read an official statement to media outlets about, you know, Notorious B.I.G.'s passing, right? You have to remember this is in the era of no Twitter, um, no, barely any websites, in fact, right? So uh, this was a lot of old school reporting. There was a lot of rumor and a lot of validation that was trying to, that, that needed to be done about that event. So I thought, yeah, after that day, I thought this is incredible. I want to be in music, right? And then the rest of the week happened, right? And I was stocking c- CDs and boxes and refilling stuff. And I, I understand it. It's also because it was an internship, but I had a chance to see others in that environment and see what the day-to-day operations of working for a big label was. And that really wasn't for me, right? So I thought, all right, well, that's the marketing side of music. Maybe that's not for me. Why don't I prototype the finance side, right? So that summer I did an internship again in New York on Wall Street with JP Morgan um, in the fixed income division, putting together investment sales sheets for mortgage-backed securities um, of course, I had no idea at the time that those were investment vehicles that 10 years later would be responsible, uh, partly for like nearly bringing down our global financial system. <laughs> um, but, you know, regardless, I found it good, good to say you're working for better causes, <laughs> they say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Solving real problems. Um, but yeah, I realized being on Wall Street every day that I didn't want to be on Wall Street every day. Uh, and that was, um, again, a, a, a more expensive time consuming prototyping experience for me. So, um, but, you know, also what I learned Ruben, at the time was, you know, you asked me what I think I'd be doing at that stage in my career. Well, well it's what I've learned. It's very hard to project 10 to 15 years out in the future of your career. Right. And it's almost, it's, it's hard in general and almost impossible in technology. Right. So coming out of university, I knew I just, I wanted to be in media and entertainment and I wanted to be in New York. Those were the two facts that I knew. And so I just found a job as a, in a consultancy that would help me do those things, right? Get me to New York and get me into the media world. Um, but you think about what I do today. I work on products that deliver live streaming video captured in an arena, delivered within seconds over the internet to a device in your pocket. So you can watch it at the same time that you're posting a photo onto a digital network to other friends all over the world. And you know, you're, you're, some of your listeners are, are probably started this podcast by speaking into the void at someone named Alexa, right? Like that's, that's uh, you know, so coming out of, you know, all, you know, university, I had no idea that's what I was going to be working on, right? So that's kind of the advice that I give to younger people, especially those who are sort of unsure about their career. And they're really afraid to make the wrong choice because they think, again, on a linear path, it's going to change everything. And I just advise people to just Focus on what you want to do next, not 5, 10, 20, but what do you want to do next? And what are the skills uh, and people that you, what are the skills you need to build and the people that you need to meet now in order to do that? And then perhaps prototyping to see if it, it's right for you. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> uh, there are a lot of people out there who do want to work in sport and perhaps consider some of the more typical avenues to work in sport that involve sponsorship or, or events. Uh, product management may not be something that's on their radar because it does sound something that you need a computer science background in. You've proven that you don't need to come from that sort of background. So what do you need to become an excellent product manager? Yeah, great question. And by the way, I think if it's not a traditional uh, avenue for a lot of uh, companies in sports, it will be soon as as we shift entirely 
or, or not entirely, but we shift a lot to to a digital environment and, and over the top streaming and things like that, direct to consumer experiences. But um, you're right. I think you don't have to have a particular degree um, to be a great product manager, right? I think um, some of the best product I've worked with so many product people from so many different backgrounds um, that bring a diversity of thought, language, education. Um, and so I actually think the diversity of backgrounds is truly one of the the absolute unlocks to success in product. Uh, because just going back to the theme that we've been talking about, diversity of people means diversity of empathetic thought towards a, a wider range of experiences and people out there, right? So you're going to get the widest range of thoughts that are going to create great solutions, uh, hopefully for your fans. But every product manager that I've worked with, regardless of the background that they've come from, um, they all possess, I guess, the following, you know, these traits, right? These these traits are common amongst them. Um, one, I would say insatiable curiosity, like you just are constantly asking yourself why <laughs> certain things work a certain way or or more importantly, don't work a certain way, right? And and what can why did was this decision made to design something this way and how could it be done better? So just that curiosity. Uh, every product manager that's that's really great is also a problem solver at heart and can be sort of maniacal about the details, right? Um, I always like to quote uh, Charles and Ray Eames, the, you know, the mid-century modern furniture designers, uh, who they they said like the details are not the details; they make the product, right? And so the simplest aspects of any product often take the most amount of time and 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 thinking uh, to to deliver. So that, you know, satiable curiosity, problem solving, and then humility. Humility is a huge aspect for uh, people in general, I think, in any, in any profession is important, right? Um, but also in, on, in product development, I mean, we are working on products, right? If you think about it, that are, are expected to have bugs. They're expected to break in certain ways and not work, right? <laughs> like that's normal. So you know, I like to say internally that our, our product that we're building, it's it's a permanent work in progress, right? It's never done. There's always a new starting line, a new platform, a new technology. And we're simply caretakers of the product for this time that we and we have this responsibility to develop it. There was somebody before me that looked after it, and there will be somebody after me who's going to look after it. So, you know, you can't approach the work with this mandate that you've been given to to own and deliver this thing. Now you have to approach it with a little bit of humility um, and that you're caretaking it just for a moment in time. And that humility is also what opens yourself up to having empathy for your customers, right? You're you're able and willing to suspend your own bias and judgment and live in your fan's jersey for a day just to see what it feels like. Do you have a favorite book on product management? I have a lot of books on product <laughs> management. Um, I have a lot of books on business as well and, and others. Um, I think, I guess there's a few books that that I really like that I think your listeners, uh, if they haven't already, would, would really like as well. And they're not so much product management books, but they do reframe your approach to work overall. Um, one of them is Atomic Habits by James Clear. Uh, and this one is all about sort of accomplishing big results through small incremental changes every day, right? And one of his quotes that I, I really, uh, I really like is that as a as an individual, you don't rise to the level of your goals; you fall to the level of your systems. Right? And it's all about building great habits um, 
and focusing on process that's going to optimize your chances of success, right? So something that's really important for us as, as product managers to think about. Um, another good book is Grit by Angela Duckworth. I'm sure a lot of your readers have read that, but that's just all about persistence and passion for achieving your goals. Uh, and again, it's really important in product development because you are going to fail a lot. You're going to build a lot of features that aren't going to work the way that you expect um, and some that do and others that really uh, don't resonate with fans at all and, and may cause you some anxiety at night. Uh, so you got to have a purpose and, and really the persistence to get through that and the resiliency again. So I'd highly recommend those two books. Um, I guess for the basketball fans out there, uh, you know, Phil Jackson's biography 11 rings is is really good it's very similar his his thought process is actually very similar to james clear on habits right he says um one of his famous quotes is the most we can hope for right is to create the best possible conditions for success and then let go of the outcome and the riot is a lot more fun that way right uh now granted he had Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal <laughs> to go on that ride with him. So, of course, it's a lot more fun that way. But listen, those teams weren't winning before he was there. So clearly, he put in processes and systems, daily habits that allowed you know that those teams to get the best and maximize their potential, essentially, which is what anyone's trying to do. Um, and then, just I guess, practically for product managers or aspiring product managers out there. Uh, just to get started, I would say the Lean Product Playbook by Dan Olson is sort of a product Bible that everybody has. Uh, it's just an excellent starting point uh, where you can learn about that lean product process um, and gives you a lot of practical skills that you can apply as a product manager almost immediately. I've just started reading the the Lean Startup. So hopefully there's a couple of shared uh, bits of wisdom in that. Yeah, Absolutely. And I think um, the Atomic Habits one, that's one that's on my to-read list as well. And I know for a lot of students who we talk with, a lot their main problem is time management and being able to juggle university with a social life, with a casual job, with internships, with you know seeing friends and all these other different things. And I think you're absolutely right. I think the best thing you can do is just create an environment or a, a system that allows success to happen because things fall apart when you're constantly having to bring your own willpower to say yes or no to different things and make decisions all the time. And to refer to our, our friend, Tim Ferriss, I'll, I'll call him our <laughs> friend, you know, make one decision that saves a thousand decisions right. and that just makes things a whole lot easier. So Atomic Habits is a book that I'll be looking forward to as well. Yeah. And, and you reminded me of another one that I've been um, sort of meditating on recently uh, with my team as well, which is uh, a book called Outcomes Over Output, right? And and to your point about time management, uh, whether it's life or whether it's building a product, you're you're just there's no amount of input and time and energy that you can put to achieve absolutely everything that you want or can imagine. It's just not possible, right? And so you have to you got to pick and choose. You have to prioritize what are the most important things and. Outcomes over output is focused on product, but it could really be applied to everything. It's about sort of understanding what are the behavioral changes you want to create in your product that are going to have the most amount of impact to the business um, and to your product's value, and then forget about the rest, right? Focus all your energies on those um, and you'll be successful. And so it's a, it's a, really, it's a really good a mantra for a lot of product teams that are constantly to, to the point of being asked by executives or fans or friends to build different things, the list of things that they could build 
is infinite, right? So how are you going to choose what you focus on? That's a really good framework too. I think that might be a good place to wrap it up. Thanks so much for coming on, Jay. It's been fascinating hearing about what you guys are doing at the NBA and, and the processes that you apply to achieving the products that you build and, and even how some of our listeners can apply some of those processes to their own lives. So thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. It's It's been fun. I think the next one, if you'll have me back, it has to be in Australia. Maybe we'll uh, I'll come down and we'll hang out at the beach for a little bit and then we can go up there and <laughs> catch the Australian Open or something. How about that? <laughs> that sounds like a fantastic idea. I'm I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> nice. Awesome. Thank you, mate. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. All righty. Well, part two is complete and that was uh, absolutely massive. I'm just going to put it out there, Rubes. The part one and two episodes, that was well and truly worthy of the two-part series. So, well done to you. I almost I feel a little bit jealous that I wasn't involved in that one. But what did you learn? What are some things we can take away with us? Well, Jay did say that he's looking forward to coming to Australia and recording part two. So we'll, we'll make sure you're there for the, for the in person one. But in terms of uh, what what I learned from uh, from part two and what you can apply immediately, I thought what Jay said around the approach of rice was really interesting, and that is. RICE stands for reach, impact, confidence, and effort. And this is, you know, key things you want to look at before you dive into to building or starting or, or doing anything. And uh, that allows you to, you know, test that prototype that he talks about before you go into the full thing. And so, this Thursday, stay tuned because we're going to just test a bit of that out and use, the, use Jay's RICE approach to um, a couple of different endeavors that you can do at your grassroots club. So, look forward to that. Love it. Uh, that is going to be a good episode. I'm looking forward to that. A few good ideas I'm already thinking about. So, stay tuned for that. Um, one thing I took away and, you know, it, it is actionable and I think it's it's probably a thought provoker as well, but he mentioned how everything, you know, everything you do is sort of a work in progress. It's, it's never fully complete. You know, whatever you're working on can always be improved and, he sort of spoke about how his role, like he's just a he's a caretaker of the product that he's working on. There was someone before him, there's someone after him. He's just a caretaker at the time. So I guess in his mind, his mindset is always like, you know, what can I do in the time that I'm here? You know, it's never fully complete. You know, sometimes you can probably think, oh, you're in a role and I've been handed that and that's yours and that's it. Well, no, like think about everything as it's it's constantly a work in progress. It's always moving. So it's a different mindset to take, which you can you can try. So, something interesting um, that I took away. And I, I think the last one for me uh, was around the fact that you know you know Jay's got into this incredible job through uh, a background in commerce and finance and marketing, which is not a typical background that you expect mm. from someone who's a product manager. And the reason he's got to this point is just through his like. Uh, his curiosity that is, you know, compelling him to solve problems all the time and learn more and just make better products. And so, I think for people listening, you know, if you're going to take one thing out of this episode, if anything has interested you or if you're curious to learn more about how digital comes together, products are produced, how that fan experience online is created, then I think the next step for you is, you know, diving deeper, prototyping a bit more, having some of those conversations and, and finding out more information. So, if you need any help with that, I think episode 50, which we referenced earlier with Finn Bradshaw, 
who is the head of digital at the ICC over in Dubai, uh, is a fantastic next episode if you want to learn more. And then perhaps after that, finding a few product managers on LinkedIn, reaching out to them, learn more about their jobs, and just find out if this is a space for you. Because if you like solving problems and you enjoy use of technology and digital, then who knows, um, you know, this could be a potential career path for you. Fantastic, mate. I couldn't agree with that last point more. All right. Well, that wraps us up. Part one, part two. I think it's a keeper. I think we'll, we'll keep it. Uh, what, what was the word we said before? Can't find it now, but experimenting. That's the one. Uh, we'll keep going with these. But thank you very much for listening and uh, we'll see you next time. Hey, team. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, please share it with your friends or your classmates who also have to figure out all of this sports career stuff. As you can see, this podcast is practically a masterclass and it's free. And you and your circles deserve to have it. So please share it far and wide. Finally, when you're ready to make sense of tackling jobs in sport, go check out the Sports Grad Method. This is an ebook I wrote based on eight years of trying to get into the sports industry and teaching others how to do it too. All of that is condensed down into a proven process to getting jobs in sport. If you're like me and enjoy things broken out into logical steps, then I think you're going to enjoy it. To get a hold of that, download it from www.sportsgrad.com.au. Thanks again for listening. Chat to you soon.